Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Hello and welcome to Phoenix Business Radio, broadcasting live from the Max 6 Entrepreneurial Center right here in Tempe, Arizona, where we help build businesses and connect you with the right people. We are very excited this morning to have with us Housing Consultants of America, President and CEO Jenna Juniper. Welcome to the studio. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. We're thrilled to have you. I, I meant to ask when we were off air how you... Uh, got connected with us. I know you're here monthly for NSA meetings yes. on the Max 6 campus. Yes. But was it Daryl that got us connected? It was. It was. We mm. were out of STN filming. That's and right. And of course, that's a perfect place to network with other individuals. So we connected and here we are. Good. Well, shout out to Daryl Robinson, yes. our former producer, to thank him for that connection. So let's get started. Tell us about Housing Consultants of America and how you found your way to that work. And then we've got a whole lot of unpacking to do around the great way in which you serve our underprivileged community. Yes. Well, you know, no one starts off their career saying they want to be in affordable housing. No one starts off saying they want to be a consultant. We all have bigger dreams. We want to be a teacher. We want to be an astronaut. So this wasn't a career that I aspired to be into. I actually fell into it. Uh, I was a single mom with a adorable son who's not so little anymore. And I was in an abusive relationship looking for a way out. And it just, it was the universe, whatever you want to call it, intervened and I was given an opportunity to live at a Section 8 property. And I'll never forget sitting there and having this individual hand me a piece of paper and tell me my rent was less than $200. And as a single mom, that was a weight that was being taken off my shoulders. I could now focus on my education. I could focus on taking care of my son and building a career. And that moment, I knew I wanted to recreate for someone else, for another family, for another single mom that was out there. And so I really decided that, okay, not only am I going to build my career, I'm going to build my career in this industry. And so I started working up from an apartment manager, all the way working up to some of these agencies for housing authorities, government entities. And here we are almost 17 years later, and I own my own company now doing exactly that, helping individuals get into housing, connecting developers and nonprofits. And I know we're going to talk about that here in a little bit, but that was 17 years ago. And I've got about a little over a team of over 30 consultants right now. So it's it's a complete 360. And I, I can tell you not many people have the same story that I have. Well, it's a fantastic story. And of course, we're inspired and motivated oftentimes about our own personal life. Yes. And while we don't, you know, typically step into it, sometimes it makes sense. Oh, now I get it. <laughs> oh, right? yes. Years later, I yeah. can see the writing on the wall. So 17 years in affordable housing and in various roles and responsibilities. Yes. Let's talk a little bit about Housing Consultants of America specifically. You said you have a team of about 30. Correct. And that's not just here in Arizona, nope. but of course. Nationwide. 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 And then who is your, who is the client? I know you have to you mentioned, involve a lot of different stakeholders. Correct. Tell us a little bit about who it is that you represent. Yeah. So what we do is we partner developers and nonprofits together, and then we hold their hand from start to finish. So from the idea, the conception phase, all the way through the design, the development, and then through implementation of leasing up the property. So we are there for years holding their hands, making sure that their vision comes to life. 
And these can be anything from housing authorities to private developers that just want to come in and say, I want to make a difference in the community. It's time. We know there's a need for affordable housing. We're ready to get involved. How do we do this? And is it always nonprofits that you're helping? No, it can be any other organization that's out there. With Even with a vision, if someone wants to step in and they offer a service, we want to hear about it because sometimes we can integrate it in maybe not necessarily a new development, but a current project that might have the need for those specific services. Are you seeing more and more of that where current projects or current buildings and structures are making themselves available for affordable housing? Yeah. Yes. Yes. And and they know it's just due to the need right now. The supply and demand is is huge. And so we're seeing a lot of individuals that are saying, we've got vacant community room space. We've got vacant uh, business office please, what can we do to help? How can we offer services here? Can we open up a clinic here? Can we open up childcare to support our community better. And so it's it's beautiful to see everyone come together with all these different ideas in ways they can support their community. Are you finding that more municipalities are starting to get involved, maybe not directly with you guys, or maybe that is the success story? How, maybe it's a two-part question. Are you seeing that more cities and towns are getting involved with this mission and purpose? And what role can you play when it comes to the actual city itself. So there are definitely more cities that are taking initiatives towards affordable housing. It's just a slow and steady process. As we all know, nothing gets done overnight. And so right now it's it's in the works. We we need more funding. We need more people being proactive and saying we want this in our communities because our city officials are listening but they need to hear our voices. Mm-hmm. So we are seeing that that it is coming. It's just slow, a slow, slow process, a very slow process. And do you ever get any pushback from any of the stakeholders? Oh. And how do you manage You do. Of course. Yeah, yes. is that coming from builders or where, where it, does it come from? You know, it's interesting. Have you heard of the term called NIMBY? No. NIMBY stands for not in my backyard. Have you heard that? Well, I I have not. And I was thinking that just a couple minutes ago. Yes, um, NIMBY, not in my backyard. Gosh, so for our listeners and viewers, right, lay that out. I'm sure some of them can guess, but wow. Not in my backyard. And that is where, whether it's a homeowner, a community is saying, we don't want the affordable housing built here at all. We we are going to- Go do a great idea. Yes. Go do it over there. Somewhere else, anywhere else, but not in our community. And what's interesting is to see that these communities that have this pushback, when we start to involve them in the development or the process, and we say, all right, well, not only are we going to build a, a, an, a maybe an apartment complex, but we'll build you a community park as well. And in fact, not only will we build you a community park, we'll build you a monument to document the history of this park and we'll incorporate local artists. Then all of a sudden you get a change in mindset. Now you're getting individuals that are saying, well, wait a minute, if you're going to better our community and not just this one property, yeah, now maybe, <laughs> well, yeah, now we're, we're interested. So sometimes we have to get a little creative as to how we approach this. But NIMBY is such a stronghold right now that we're finding there are cities that are just saying, nope, not here, find somewhere else. I'm looking forward to hearing some success stories. One of the things that I think about is right here at Max 6, we're in Tempe, we're kind of in a location where there are a lot of homeless Mm -hmm. and a hotel right by us. And so the owners of the property, the McIntosh family, McMartin Investments, made a decision rather than 
I mean, we have more security here and that sort of thing because it's necessary. We, you know, get up the elevator and sometimes folks are sleeping at that sort of thing if you're here on the weekend. However, rather than pushing people further away on the perimeter, because we know that they need a safe place to be and, and, and a roof over their head, while McMartin Investments hasn't invested into housing, affordable housing, what we did do is create a garden in the parking lot and all the extra space and partnered with Tiger Mountain, who is an organization that serves the homeless. And so now they're engaged and involved. Those who want to be are engaged and involved in having this, the vegetables, the fruits and that sort of thing, which is tough this time of year once we just got out of, I don't know how many days of no rain, although this morning, rain. I know, right? (laughs) Maybe a little bit anyway. Where where in the valley are you? In North Phoenix. Did you get rain? uh, I think a tenth of, a tenth of an inch. I heard the thunder. I saw the lightning. I woke up to it and I was like, oh, thank you. And then I saw, you know, a couple drips out in the Ahwatukee area. So anyway, Tiger Mountain, great example of a non Profit. If you don't know them yet, I'd love to get you connected. Please. And Max Six, right, as a for-profit business, saying we're here in the in the in the uh, in the area. We're part of Tempe. What can we do to make a difference? And there was pushback, and there was pushback from some surprising stakeholders. And the team just stood their ground and said, this is going to make a difference and this is our way to contribute. Yes. Uh, so slightly different than affordable housing. And again, a way to look through the lens. This is happening in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is in my backyard. Yes. How can I be part of the solution and not part of the problem? Oh, I love hearing that. What yeah. a great solution. What yes. a great solution. And I wish more and more individuals would take that that initiative. There's always some sort of solution. You don't just have to immediately call the police or go down some other path. You can come up with solutions. You just might need some other ideas. Connect with other individuals. See what you can come up with. But I mean, building a garden, that's brilliant. Yep. Yeah, really, and, and it beautified the property, of course, and it gave people yes. a job and ways to think and sustain and, and that sort of thing. So share with us a couple of examples of the success that you and your team have had over the years. Yeah, so we've got several properties here, right here in Arizona, and then nationwide, absolutely nationwide, where we've got properties that have been built, and there was pushback by the community, the NIMBY uh, mindset. Uh, There's one that's downtown Phoenix that's absolutely gorgeous, and we incorporated this beautiful, beautiful sculpture right in the front of the property to keep the community history alive, and all of the youth got to paint little tiles, Mm -hmm. and the tiles then are on this structure to, to, or this monument, I guess is the best way to put it. But not only was that property built, they layered it on with supportive services. So there's a food pantry. There's, I think it's called job coaching or career coach that's there a few times a week. They've got a caseworker that's there. So we're not just building the housing and walking away. We're saying here's housing and here's supportive services also to make sure you are, you're well established. We've got other properties that offer childcare after school which is a huge help. Free childcare, as, as we all know, that's that can be expensive. But the other big thing that's coming is called micro schools. Have you heard of micro oh, schools? Oh, yes. Yep. yes. Former teacher, former assistant oh, principal, yes. great advocate for that. Isn't it wonderful? So for our listeners and viewers, explain micro schools and so, yeah, your familiarity with Yes. That. Micro schools are miniature schools, what they, they sound like, that we're trying to put in community rooms or empty spaces where children in that community can come and attend school in a safe environment. It's not that many children. You're typically talking anywhere between 8 to 12, sometimes maybe a little bit more, depending depending on the location, 
And there's computers that are set up for them to take their classes. And there's an instructor there that's there to make sure that they're accomplishing their courses. So they're doing online curriculum, but they're still engaging with other our other students and getting that interaction that they need. And right now, we're trying to build these into our, our communities, into our affordable housing properties, because then we can take the students that are living there and just tell the parents all you need them to do is come downstairs, come to the community room every day for a student who might have attendance issues, behavioral issues, or just might not be good in the public school system or this current school system. This gives them another opportunity to be successful in schools. Hmm. It's fantastic. So good. I know. When you're working with all these different stakeholders, tell us who are some of the key instrumental players and how can we help you? Who else do you need to be in front of? Like in in order to further your mission and be more helpful and find more opportunities to create affordable housing, we can talk just to Arizona, but we can also talk countrywide. Yes, Talk to us about the stakeholders, who all is involved, what what role do you guys play, and then and then who are you looking, you know, who else needs to be there? Who's who's missing? So we're kind of like the matchmakers, uh, as I like to call it. I need to come up with a catchy title. I haven't come up with that yet. But we're the matchmakers. We're partnering the developers and the nonprofits together and then really ensuring that that they can then have the funding behind it. So right now, what I'm looking for is, is for developers, nonprofits that have a vision that just want to get involved, that have a heart for affordable housing, because that's the first step. You can't be forced into this. You have to have a passion for it, a vision for it. And so anyone that's got a program out there that could potentially be placed on a property or some sort of vision for housing in your area, I'd love to connect with you to see what we can do because the resources are out there. Sometimes it's just navigating the the political system, as we know, and getting connected with the right the right individuals to get this pushed through so we can we can get a project developed. Mm-hmm. From a builder or an investor perspective, what are either the tax benefits or you know some of the financial benefits mm-hmm. for them to get involved? So it just depends on the program that they apply for, but there are numerous tax advantages and that's why it's it's actually the program's called the tax credit program, the low income housing tax credit program and it gives a tax deduction to owners almost like an incentive for developing new properties or even remodeling current properties. Mm-hmm. There's an application process that that happens in every state. So the funding is funded by each state and awarded typically two to three times a year. Right now, Arizona does have some funding available and the the next batch of, of applications is getting ready to go in. So the funding is out there. We need people with ideas to apply for this this type of funding and this program. Is it a matter of awareness and education? Yes. Yeah, which yes. is why you're here today. It is. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It, you know, a lot of people are just so scared to jump in. A lot of people think that if I develop an affordable property, it's going to look like this trashed property. And, and I think we all have that mindset of affordable housing is dilapidated and old and I can tell you, you probably drive by at least 10 to 12 affordable housing properties every day on your way to work, and you would have no clue that they are affordable housing because what we develop looks just like any other market rate property. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't have all the additional amenities. That's all. Right. Yeah. And most importantly, it's giving folks a place yes. to either have a fresh start 
or a place to land on their feet, yes. uh, whether they're single or a family. Like yourself, you had mentioned your story. Mm-hmm. How about your consultants uh, that are part of your team? Who have you found? What are their kind of stories? Similar backgrounds? You would get everything from case management. They've worked a long time in, in a housing authority as a caseworker. What I find, though, is everyone on my team has some sort of passion for helping individuals. And we really do. We're coming in to properties that are are in dire situations that might need our help or are stressed because they're trying to lease up and hit occupancy. We come in with just such open arms and an understanding of we we know where you're at. We're just coming in with solutions. Let us help. Let us be the bodies you need. And that's the team that I want to form. And that's the morale that I want to keep with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Fantastic. I know you own another business as well. You've been an entrepreneur for at least 17 years, yes. maybe longer, it sounds like. Yes. Uh, tell us about your other business. Etiquette Edge Academy. That is my new business. And so I really decided, it was during quarantine, actually, that this happened. Surprisingly, I had a colleague of mine who was on a Zoom call. And in the middle of the Zoom call, I kid you not. Oh, I'm I'm already guessing. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. (laughs) It was his kitchen that we were looking at, which fine. You know, this was the beginning of quarantine. We all didn't really know how to handle all these Zoom calls. And his cat jumps up on the countertop, walks along the countertop on the top of the refrigerator and just kind of keeps doing this little pacing movement while we're on a government Zoom call. It was entertaining, however, distracting, very (laughs) distracting. And I, I just kept thinking to myself, this cannot be our new norm. This cannot be our new norm. And I had attended etiquette school as a young child. And it just sparked this idea in me to say, wait a minute. I think I need to teach the next generation. I need to prep even my children for job interviews and how to how to dress professionally because this isn't being taught anymore. So I opened up Etiquette Edge Academy and we offer eight different classes right now. And it specializes everything from etiquette with, with email and texting to how to appear for a business job interview, what to wear, how to act. I have teenagers that are showing up wearing jeans and spaghetti strap t-shirts for job interviews. Oh, yes. I have a 16-year-old left at home with me. My other two are grown and gone. <laughs> and and I, I will say, I, I totally get this. Uh, he was really fighting me on having to write a, uh, a resume because he doesn't have any job experience. Of course. <laughs> and a cover letter. And he's like, mom, no one is going to want this. I said, oh, the people who, when you walk in properly dressed, mm-hmm. Hair combed, yep. <laughs> looking them in the eye and asking if they're accepting applications and can I leave this? I guarantee you that someone will will see a difference in how you're showing up versus how somebody else might be showing up. Yes. And within, I think, the first, what was the second day? Because the first day he was really so mad about going. <laughs> I'm like, we're going home <laughs> and, and you're going to change your attitude next time if you want me to drive. Otherwise, you're doing this on your bike and you will do it. And he landed a job first day or second day, truly. He had two phone calls by the time we got back home after dropping applications off about eight places. And now he's been employed by by Chick-fil-A for a couple of months. And, you know, first job. And he actually was only 15 and a half. Good for him. Yes. And and that, that opportunity, I'm sure that's what you're helping, you know, whether it's teenagers or young professionals, that 
um, self-esteem boost that, gosh, I can do this, right? To take somebody who may not ever have the opportunity to have those lessons or have those influences. It mm-hmm. sounds like you took an etiquette class early on in life. Oh, yes. And that's really helped you it, grow into the mm-hmm. professional, even I'm assuming it, through a difficult marriage and through an opportunity to say, okay, I need to step out on my own and again, have a fresh start. So yes. what a beautiful give back as well with your etiquette business. Yes. And well, what I like to really instill in, in the youth and, and anyone that we're teaching in our classes is it doesn't cost a lot of money to reflect poise and elegance. Mm. It, it doesn't. And so in these classes, we show you outfits that we've gotten from thrift stores that are polished professional outfits that cost less than $10. So I want to show anyone that you can be successful, you can be a clean, polished professional mm-hmm. and not think you have to go and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars. You can go to any thrift store. Right. It just might take a little, you know, little style, little little guidance to help pick out the right outfit, but it's out there. So how do people get connected with you for the etiquette, the etiquette courses? So online, we have a website. It's called etiquetteducademy.com. We have two. Mm-hmm. And etiquette-edge.com. Okay. Let me make sure. I don't know. I, ha- I know I have yes, the... Yes, I think it's etiquette-edge.com. Yeah, I have housingconsultantsofamerica.com and Jenna Juniper on LinkedIn. So either way, people yes, can make sure that they, they get in front of you. Please, uh, please. And these are online courses? All online and in that? person. Okay, oh, mm-hmm. in person as absolutely, well. Absolutely, absolutely. I go into high schools all the time. I bring my little cart with my gear and we, we play dress up. So important. Yes, it's so much fun. There's a connection at ASU, and I'm forgetting what it is right now, but we've had them on a couple of times for job placement. That might be a great connection for you because they're always looking for those entry-level positions when they start off at ASU and this particular group, I want to shoot, I can't remember the name of it. It's a nonprofit, but it's, it's going to be a great connection for you because so many folks come without that skill set. And if we begin to think that this is the way I have to show up in the world all the time, we're less likely then to kind of raise our vibration if we're not surrounding ourselves with the right people. So it sounds like you're the right yes. person for those opportunities for people. Oh, you couldn't be more, more dead on. Yeah, love it. Uh, so going into high schools to do that, um, just here in Arizona? Nope, nationally. Very good. Nationally, we're everywhere. We'll go everywhere. It's To me, it's just about making an impact in that high school, in that college, or just in that community. I want to see, as you said, it's raising the vibration. I want to elevate and educate the next generation in business etiquette. And it's so much fun to watch them have these, as I call them, light bulb moments going, wait a minute, you mean I can't send an emoji in an email? Right. I have to capitalize the the word I. I. Yes. (laughs) Imagine. I actually have to have a signature block. Punctuation. I, 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 I laugh not to make fun of and again, I have three kiddos, two in their late 20s and one who's still in high school. And it's such a different time. I, I'm sure every parent says that every generation, oh. right? I, I feel like I'm my dad and my mom these days. <laughs> like, what is the world coming to? <laughs> and yet technology and the ease in which we communicate and the fact that we're communicating all the time, there's rarely, I mean, we have to choose when we're going to pull away, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm not careful with my youngest, I, you know, I could walk past his room at 11 o'clock at night and he might likely be on either playing a game or on his phone, but we've instilled some of those really uh, tough expectations around when to shut things off. So 
Yeah, love the work that you're doing in the world. How can folks uh, get in touch with you? We mentioned, of course, uh, that you're on LinkedIn, Jenna Juniper. Yes. J-E-N-N-A. Yes, Juniper, J-U-N-I-P is in Peter, E-R, like the tree. Very good. Makes it easy. Yeah, and housingconsultantsofamerica.com. Yep. And what is the best way for folks to just reach out and and ask questions about that part of your business and what you're doing there? Uh, So they can go to the website, they can connect with me on LinkedIn, or even info at housingconsultantsofamerica.com. They can shoot us an email, and I'm happy to get back to them and connect them with the right resources, or just even just chat with them to see what their vision is. Excellent. Yes. You, you uh, mentioned your new business and working on business etiquette, helping people become more professional and confident when they walk into those interviews and the way in which they show up. And check that out online as well. Please. Enroll in the on- online courses. Oh. Yes. I will reach out and get you in in person. That'd be perfect. I'd Very love good. that. What else is in your vision for the next year, the next couple of years? You know, uh, there's so much right now. I'd love to, uh, 40 under 40 is my goal. I, that's good. That's, that's a goal for me for right now. I want to be, I want to be a, a good vision for Arizona. So that's my, that's my goal right now is, is that, and then continuing on this, this Etiquette Edge Academy, I'd love to see it hit 50 schools by the okay. end of next year is my goal. Very good. 50 different schools. It doesn't have to be in 50 different states. I've thought that through. That's <laughs> That might be a little little tricky, and I don't necessarily want to visit all the states during some of the seasons, but yeah. 50 schools in, in a year. So good. So 40 under 40, what kind of introductions do you need when you, when you, you know, lay awake at night or you're busy creating your vision and you have some of that work on the business instead of in the business moment? <laughs> Who are some of the introductions that you need here in Arizona? Uh, you know, really, it's just local nonprofits and other developers. Mm-hmm. Anyone that has a, a vision that I can connect with that would be of use to me, because I'm just really about matchmaking and, and bringing people together. It doesn't just have to be me. If, if I don't have the resource, someone else will. Mm-hmm. So definitely. So good. Jenna, it's been great to get to Thank know you. you. Really appreciate your time on a bright and early Monday morning. Right. Right. Very good. Well, you've been listening to Phoenix Business Radio, broadcasting live right here at Max 6 Entrepreneur Center in Tempe, Arizona. Some media leans left, some lean right, and we lean business and nonprofit. Until next time, I'm Karen Nowicki. Thanks for listening. 